Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, gotta tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. And guys, Strava Craft Coffee is doing an awesome thing. If you subscribe, you'll save 20% on every single purchase that you make with Strava Craft Coffee. You'll receive 20% off every time you order Strava Craft Coffee. And you can have your coffee delivered to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks without having to go on the website, enter your credit card information all the time. It will just be sent straight to you at 20% off. And of course, Strava Craft Coffee isn't just delicious coffee. It packs that delicious CBD punch, which helps relieve aches, headaches, migraines, anything that's going on. Strava Craft Coffee helps with that. And you get your daily caffeine boost. So make sure to check them out and use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your first order and then subscribe and save 20% on every order after that. All right, mates, let's hop into the show. NVR Broncos podcast on this Thursday edition. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. And time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturn is an education allowing you to adapt into varying careers. And you can go build your toolbox at MSU Denver Online. So make sure to check them out, MSU Denver Online. My boy, Mace, what's shaking? What's shaking? Uh, uh, the, the, the snow, if I put it in a jar, we got quite a bit of snow down here last night. Again. Yeah, I, that's... Uh, I can't wait to get out there with a snow shovel again, although I should probably have a, a, a snow blower at this point and shovel a driveway and shovel a lot of sidewalk. Uh, yeah, I'm, I am not a snow person. <laughs> Colorado is probably the wrong place for me. Right. I mean, it, it makes sense why uh, why you worked for the Panthers for a little bit. Did you ever see snow when you were out there? Actually, it snowed a few times uh, when wow. I was in Charlotte. Usually, uh, Charlotte will typically get um, 
they'll, they'll get like a, a light, they'll get like a light dusting and then maybe another three or three to five inch snowfall every year. Like when I was, there was actually one winter when I was out there that uh, they had two substantial snowfalls. One was about four inches. One was about uh, uh, six, seven inches or so. And Wow. Um, that's surprising to me. Yeah. It just depends on the year. I mean, so, some years they'll get some snow and then other years uh, it'll be completely dry. Of course, I also lived in Florida long before that. And, and the only, and, I was in the Tampa area for the only snow they've had in the last 40 years, which was wow. two days before Christmas, 1989. And then the next day, the Bucks had a home game against Pittsburgh, and it was 39 degrees, and that was the coldest home game in Tampa Bay history. Still is. Wow. And well, a white it, Christmas, that's something you don't expect well, often. Well, it was – you had flurries. It, it, it didn't stick. But when it was snowing on Saturday night, I actually – that Saturday night, December 23rd, it was halftime of the Cleveland-Houston Saturday night game on ESPN, and I saw the snow falling, and I ran outside, and I just started, you know, play, you know, just running around, and I was playing, <laughs> just to play. a couple of friends came over, and we were started to play football in the snow just because we could, you know, then <laughs> around here, no big deal, but down in Florida, I mean, that was just, it was like the world was coming to an end. I mean, look, look at how it, look at Texas right now and how they're dealing with the, with the cold weather. They're just, yeah. there's not a preparation for it. You don't know how to handle it. Right. Right. No, exactly. Man. Thoughts to everyone down in Texas. I hope everyone's staying warm and staying safe. What, what a, what a crazy time down there. As, as you said, Mace, we're used to it here, but down there, they're just not prepared for it. So uh, I know it's still really cold down there, so hope everyone's staying warm. That that's for sure. May some something else that's shaken is maybe the first pick in the NFL draft. There's been some buzz this week that Trevor Lawrence may not be the number one quarterback on everyone's board. When you hear that, what do you think? I think that part of it is that we're in a little bit of a silly season where what happens is we start getting farther and farther from the, from the season and we're kind of looking for flaws and that's, and I don't think it's a conscious thing. I think it's a sub, it's a little bit of a subconscious thing. And that is why you see guys have their statuses change as we get into the off season, even though they haven't added any more film to it. All the film was already there several weeks ago it was already complete you weren't going to put any more on that but now but now you start diving in and uh, taking some taking some different looks and it's focused maybe a little bit less on the actual team result and the statistical result and it's more focused on the details and the nitty-gritty of what that guy is doing like we know like locally for example um tim jenkins who evaluates quarterbacks i believe he has uh Zach Wilson as his QB one uh, June Jones, who coached in the NFL for, for a while, but also coached in college football for a long time. One of the gurus of the running shoot running shoot and one of the all-time QB gurus. He, according to a story in Yahoo sports has Trevor Lawrence as QB three wow. on his list. And Jones says this, Hey, I do like him, but I would not take him with the first pick though. Everyone is saying that he's the guy at one. 
but I would trade that pick and take one of these other quarterbacks down the line, unquote. And by the way, Zach, you will like very much who June Jones has as his top quarterback prospect in this year's draft because Mac Jones is June Jones' QB1. Let's go. But here's something that uh, June Jones says about Trevor Lawrence. Quote, what I've noticed is when you see him drop back and throw, let's say a nine route down the field, on those completions that he had over 20 yards, a lot of his times, his receivers make great plays on those balls, and they weren't right on the money. They weren't right in stride. The receivers sometimes had to work for the deep ball with him with him more than what you'd expect from a great quarterback, unquote. Hmm, interesting. I wonder I wonder what he would say about Mac Jones in terms of playing with good talent around him because it kind of sounds like he's knocking Trevor Lawrence a little bit for having some good talent around him. He says this about Mac Jones, quote, Mac's deep ball accuracy is probably the best that I have graded in my years of coaching quarterbacks. <laughs> he's almost at 55% over 20 yards, which is unbelievable, unquote. And then the author, Eric Hedholm, Facts check, fact checks that and says that's true. Last year, 58.9% of his passing attempts, 20 yards downfield, and factoring and drop passes. Pro football focus had Mac Jones at an adjusted completion percentage on deep balls of 67.1. And of course, Mac Jones also had that 77% completion percentage last year, which was a record in college football. Yeah. And of course, like you pointed out, Mace, I believe 88% when he was under pressure completion percentage, yeah. just absolutely insane. So I, I don't think it's crazy that, that someone would really love Mac Jones, in, including myself. I mean, Mace, he's a winner. Uh, he has the size for it. And you also have, uh, he, he has the stats to back it up. So that doesn't shock me. What shocks me is that Trevor Lawrence would be the third quarterback on someone's board. Yeah, behind uh, Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. I mean, I, I think this is really interesting. And I think you actually hit on something here that this article doesn't really address, which is he talks about how the receivers help Trevor Lawrence out a little bit. And you know what? He did throw to he did throw T. Higgins, for example, at Clemson. He does have good receivers, although I would say not of the quite of the quality they have at Alabama. So if the receivers are helping Trevor Lawrence, are they not helping Mac Jones? And thus, uh, did they not help Tua Tungo Vailoa? I mean, that's sort of the thing that's that's floating out there that I find that that I find interesting about the way June Jones is kind of diving into this a little bit. But it's it's just interesting that now we're getting to a point here where what appeared to be a consensus for really about a year and a half, two years, a consensus that, okay, Trevor Lawrence is a number one guy is generational, that there may be some cracks in the consensus here on Trevor Lawrence, which is, you know, which is fascinating. And yeah, we just saw urban Meyer, spend a lot of time with Trevor Lawrence at the quasi pro day at Clemson, the workout that they had. So Lawrence could go and he can have the surgery on his non-throwing shoulder. But what if we see in a few weeks that urban Meyer is right there 
next to Mac Jones or Justin mm. Fields well, or Zach Wilson? Then what are we going to say? Well, he should be. He should be. So that that wouldn't really change it for me. I mean, if Urban Meyer isn't at these other top quarterbacks pro days, then he's just not doing his job. He absolutely should be there. Uh, and then where does it go from there? Do we find out, you know, a month before the draft that it, in fact will be Trevor Lawrence or is there reports that come out that say the the Jaguars aren't sure where it goes? And that's when it would become interesting, Mace. And what what does this do to the entire draft? Because to me, I don't think it shakes the draft up much, especially when we talk about the Broncos. I think that if somehow the Jaguars were to fall in love with Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and go that route and take one of those guys, Mace, doesn't it bring up the same conversation that we have uh, at, at the second pick where that pick, it won't be traded. The jets are absolutely going to take Trevor Lawrence, right? Well, <laughs> when that, would that be interesting, but it does. Let's say that there is a, a crack in the Trevor Lawrence facade that uh, maybe he's not the clear number one. If the Jaguars think about trading down, do you think about trading up with them? Would the price tag on trading up be more palatable than, say, being in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes? Okay, so you're these are, so, all, these so, are all things that you start thinking about. So, what's the scenario that the Jaguars want to trade down? That the, the Jags say, hey, you know what? We like Trevor Lawrence, but we also like Mac Jones. We also like Zach Wilson. Um, and we know we have a plethora of needs on the roster. Start, do, do they start talking trade? Is it possible that maybe even they, they, see, they, they, they say, okay, we like any of these guys. We're content going down, going down a few picks. Now, nine may be a bridge too far. Anything that is a problem here in this, but the moment you start shaking up the draft, the draft picture, the moment you bring other possibilities and multiple trades into play that, that all of a sudden create a situation where, all right, what if you're at the third pick and you're at the point where you have a team without a quarterback need picking and Trevor Lawrence is still on the board. Do you move up then to try to get him? Do you blow up whatever plan you had and say, okay, this guy is, is this guy is at three. We still think he's a phenomenal quarterback. Let's go try to get him. Yeah, you absolutely do. And Mace, you hit it on the head. You're not going to be able to trade with the Jaguars or let's say that Trevor Lawrence drops to two. And for some reason, the Jets don't want to take him. And you're not going to be able to trade with either of those teams to to go from nine to one or nine to two. A team is not going to be interested in dropping mm -hmm. back all the way to nine. So what you're going to have to do is what the Eagles did when they went and got Carson Wentz or what the Broncos did when they got Jay Cutler. You're going to have to make multiple trades up. So the first one, you're probably 
probably right. You're probably eyeing that third overall pick, maybe even the fourth pick. Uh, if the Atlanta Falcons are going to stick with Matt Ryan, uh, and if the Dolphins are going to stick with Tua, you jump up to there. And now right there, that's going to cost you two first round picks, in my opinion, uh, if not more, in order to make that huge jump from nine to three. And then Mace, you may be talking about the exact same price tag to go from three to one or four to one. So you are going to be giving up uh, potentially even more than what you would be giving up to get Deshaun Watson for a guy that's never played a snap in the NFL. Would, would that be worth it? So let, let's break down what both of these trades would look like. What do you think the Broncos would have to trade to get from nine to three or, or four? Nine to three or four, you're probably talking about uh, doing it straight up for your first round pick next year. Nine and a first round pick next year. Yeah. So you're probably talking about two one, but basically, basically two ones for one for a first round pick. So you're talking, so the price to move up five slots is probably your first round pick next year, realistically. And if there's a premium on it, maybe you talk, maybe you're tossing in a third round pick at some point. Right, exactly. I, I could see that being the case. Probably a third round pick this year. And let's see, according to the draft value right. chart, Mace, the ninth overall pick is worth 1,350 points. The third overall pick is worth 2,200. So that's a difference of, you know, roughly 900, 850. And when you look at the draft value chart, 850 is the 20th overall pick. So Mace, I think you're, I think you're spot on with that is they would probably value a next year's pick in terms of they, they would view it as a late round first round pick. So that that'll probably get the deal done, throw in a third round pick just to sweeten the deal. And there you go. Now Mace, you're sitting with the third overall pick. Now what's it going to take to jump from three to one, if the Jags are okay with moving back two spots, because let's say they love Zach Wilson and they love Mac Jones and, and they like Trevor Lawrence, but they know that either of those guys, one of those guys is going to be there at the third pick. So they're okay trading back with you. What What's it going to take to get from three to one? Mm. <sighs> because now you're without your ninth overall pick this year. And you're without your first round pick next year. According to the draft value chart, it would be a very, very, very similar jump. Again, that third pick yes. worth 2,200 in value. The first overall pick worth 3,000. So again, 800 points in value right there. But mm -hmm. you, you, you don't have that pick this year. Right. And so you have to decide, all right, is it going to be a, pit, a first round pick in 2023 then because you've already traded your 2022 first round pick or are we talking about player compensation mm. are we talking about uh a combination of players and picks that uh that add up to another first round selection so for example do you throw in a young a young starter and say okay let's try to get that first round pick to a second round pick right right and then are you using this year's second round pick? I would prefer to just because I'd rather have that third round pick next year, even though I know you could say, well, there are some immediate needs. This draft is going to be so much of a crapshoot that I'm okay with trading capital from this draft. If it means a move up like this or, or if you're talking about 
something that I think is far more likely, which is trading down and accumulating capital for next for next year. So that would be kind of the thing I, w- I would be thinking. So maybe you, you maybe you think in terms of all right, uh, a second round pick and one and maybe not one of your top two or three starters, but a a pretty good starting player to move to move up from three to one. And so then you've basically you 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 would have essentially for, to go from nine to one you would have given up a one a two maybe a three if you need to do that to get from nine to three and a starter and mace i think i think in order for this to happen it has mm-hmm. to be it does have to be a top player on your team and it's going to be the jaguars choice it's going to be do they want bradley chubb do they want Cortland Sutton? I think those would be the two most appealing. Uh, and so would you be willing to do that, to go from three to one, giving up a second round pick, uh, this year's second round pick, 40, uh, the third overall pick, and they get their choice, Bradley Chubb or Cortland Sutton? Mm. I'm not sure I would give them their choice. I think I would probably have to say uh, of those two, if, if we're t- if 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 it's one player, I'd give up. I'd give up Cortland. I'd give up Cortland Sutton. The only way Bradley Chubb comes into play is if you say it's straight up Chubb to move up two spots. Oh, interesting. So let's say they said second round pick and Bradley Chubb, and you've already moved up to three here. Are you doing yeah. the deal? Mm. I'm going to try to negotiate and, and hold out and hold out the other, whether I do the deal, frankly, depends on what I think of, of the quarterbacks. Like if I've done enough work and I say, well, at QB three, that means I can get Lawrence or fields or Zach Wilson. Right. And if I like all three of those guys, I'm saying, okay, I, I'm standing pat at three and I'm not, and I'm not, overplaying my hand to get to one but if you decide it's one guy that you have a conviction on that you let's say it's trevor lawrence that you have that conviction you say he is the guy then yeah you you probably do although i would try to get that if it's bradley chubb at minimum i'd try to get that two down to a three and then you're basically you're basically moving up from nine to three or nine to one pardon me for the cost of a first round pick in 2020 in, in 2022 two third round picks and Bradley Chubb and where are you finding that other third round pick since we already traded one it's, 2021 third uh well you're gonna that, at that point you're trading it from 2022 okay okay man yeah. Mace I do this in a heartbeat in a heartbeat and heck throw in Bradley Chubb, throw in Cortland Sutton. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they get their choice of one of those guys. But Mace, I think it's too good to be true. To move from nine to yeah. one, and it costs you, obviously, this first-round pick, but but it only costs you one additional first-round pick. And now, of course, we are talking about, in, in my, my opinion, we're talking about Bradley Chubb or Cortland Sutton, who should be valued as a first-round pick. That that this deal, Mace, doesn't seem like it's breaking the bank. I mean, it seems like obviously you're giving up a lot to go make this jump, but 
to me to get Trevor Lawrence, or let's say you love Zach Wilson as well, which I don't think you'd be moving up all the way to number one to do that, but to get a quarterback that you love and Trevor Lawrence has been talked about as a generational quarterback, the Andrew Luck, the Peyton Manning type of quarterback, Trevor Lawrence has been in that conversation. If George Peyton feels that way, holy cow, you, you do that. In my opinion, you do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, you would. If it's possible, you absolutely go. You absolutely go for this. I mean, I, I think if I'm doing anything, I and I'm maybe underestimating the, the cost of trading up. Even though all of these deals that we're proposing make sense in terms of the value chart, mm-hmm. and actually can you know in in the case of moving from nine to three on the value chart, I think there's a there's a premium that's coming in when you're talking about a second day pick as well as that first rounder in 2022 in order to move up. So you, 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 you have a premium there. It's not an excessive premium. And the question, the question then becomes, you know, what is the level of, of contentment with moving down for the teams that do that? And, and for Jacksonville in particular, what is their level of confidence in other quarterbacks? If they've, if they're all, if it's all Trevor Lawrence and that's it for them, and it may still well be all about Trevor Lawrence, but I think today we just kind of live in that environment where it may not be because there's because we are seeing some some shots being I wouldn't say shots being taken, but we are seeing some contrary evaluations, mm-hmm. and if there are contrary evaluations kind of out there, you know there are going to be some contrary evaluations in some offices of teams. Right. So you so you, you you open things up a little. I don't think Trevor Lawrence's surgery on his non-throwing shoulder should have much of an impact. It is something that may give a few teams pause because one because even if somehow progress out of the pandemic per, reaches a point where they can have some semblance of in-person OTAs, Trevor Lawrence won't be ready for that. He won't be ready until training camp. So does that affect his rookie progress a little bit? Right, right. And Mace, a a reason why the Falcons or, or even the Dolphins, if they, if they're going to stick with Tua, why they could be interested in moving back uh, all the way to nine is if they say, look, the Broncos are making this jump up to get a rookie quarterback. They aren't going to be good next year. Maybe it's a good move for them, but that first round pick that we're getting next year is going to be very, very valuable at another top 10 pick. Potentially that's what they would be convincing themselves. So I could actually see that being uh, enough to sell one of those teams to move back. Now, again, you may have to throw in a third or a second round pick just in order to sweeten the deal to make a team do that. But I could see one of those two teams doing that. Maybe, maybe, the Jets at two if they're sticking with Sam Darnold but I just I don't think they're going to stick with Sam Darnold but if the Dolphins want to ride with with Tua one more year at least one more year and the Falcons want to ride with Matt Ryan boom there you go those are your teams to make the deal with and it would make sense for those teams because they could convince themselves that they're getting two top 10 pits picks back right they could um ah, boy oh boy 
And he, 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 here's a, here's another thing that's thrown into this equation, Mace, is yeah. you're probably not going to make the jump from nine to three and three to one, both on draft right. day. You're going to have to make one of the, the first jump. You're probably going to have to make be it weeks leading up to, to the draft. If, if not days before, you could probably do that as well, but you probably have this plan in place, just like the Eagles did when they went to get Carson Wentz. They took that first jump uh, a long time before the draft itself they knew they were going up they and that let the teams ahead of them know okay they're in play to move up again and that's what the broncos will be looking at here so you move up soonish you know in the next couple of months plenty of time before the draft and then you put yourself in a position where you better not be just in on one guy because if you're just in on trevor lawrence and you don't like anyone else at that three spot then you just put yourself in a really bad position if Jacksonville turns around and says, nope, we're not trading this pick, or they say, we're, we're trading back to two with the Jets, and then you know that Trevor Lawrence is going to be gone before you. So you have to make sure, if you're going to make that move from nine to three, nine to four, that there's multiple guys that are worth making the jump for, because of course you're going to like a player there at three or four. You're going to love some defensive players, but is it worth making that jump up for? So if you do this move, you have to either be sure that a trade is in place with the Jaguars or you have mm-hmm. to, and if that's the case, then you do that trade right after you make the trade to, to three or four, or you have to make sure that, okay, we love three quarterbacks in this draft. If we can't get up to one to get the guy we love the most, well, we're still going to love a guy that falls to us at three because you're not making these jumps, Mace, for a non-quarterback. So it is all about mm-hmm. quarterbacks when you make these jumps. Right. And I think you hit the nail on the head that you better lo- you better love three of them if you make this deal and be content to stay at three if it goes quarterback, quarterback, and then you're taking QB three on this board. Are you okay with that guy? Have you decided that we we can win and we can build long term around any of three quarterbacks. And if that is the case, then you 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 do move up. And I mean, again, none of this is something I see as the likelihood right now. But George Payton is thinking long term, and he may think in the context of we're sitting here at nine. There are quarterbacks. I like, if, let's say I like a few of them, or I actually better, you love a few of them. If you're talking about this kind of trade, you, you got to have some love, not just like they're cool. Yeah, they're all right. You got to love, you got to be all in. Well, there's got to be some steam there. Right. And if he doesn't expect to be picking at nine again, then what better time is there to move up than right now? If you don't expect to be in the top 10, if you expect your future drafts to be 15, 18 at worst, then that's it. Then, then you try to make this deal right now. But it just depends how he's viewing the long-term building process. Is he saying, all right, um, I like next year's quarterbacks, maybe a little bit better than this year's. Let's see where Drew Locke goes. Let's accumulate capital. That That's fine. I, I actually think kind of maybe, Zach, that the one thing – that may not make any sense if the if you are talking about not bringing in a Dak Prescott or or Deshaun Watson, the one thing that may not make any sense short and long term is staying at nine. I feel like you, if you love the, some quarterbacks this year, you try to move up. If you'd rather go into the pool next year, 
You give Drew Locke and a hedge this season to figure it out, but then you move down to where you have capital to move up to try to get really high in the draft next year to make sure you get that quarterback. Staying at nine kind of strikes me as the as the the compromise that might be the worst move. Yeah, and and I totally see where you're coming. It's a great point, Mace. So here's here's the trade, and it may sound very familiar to a Deshaun Watson trade. You're trading nine this year, next year's first, this year's third, this year's second, next year's third, and potentially Bradley Chubb or Cortland Sutton. Mace, the price is just a little bit less than Deshaun Watson. But hey, Mace, I've said I would rather have Trevor Lawrence than Deshaun Watson. Uh, Where do you stand on that? I would rather have Deshaun Watson because he's proven to be elite, and you don't know that any of these guys is going to reach that level for certain, although you should feel – I feel like there will be at least one elite quarterback coming out of this class in due time. We're not going to know who that is probably – for at least a couple of years, but I feel like at least we're going to see one who ends up joining that top tier. Mm, yeah. But yeah. is that, but, but, but the other thing that, that is in your favor and is a, a point that with all intellectual honesty, I have to note in saying this is if you trade up, you have the cost controlled quarterback. And so you're sacrificing draft capital, but, because you're saving money on the quarterback position, you can fill in the gaps around him with free agents. Right. Whereas yeah, you, you get you your trade, cost control yeah. quarterback. Right. The thing with Deshaun Watson is that you, you will sacrifice draft capital. You will sacrifice cap space. And then you have neither. At least if you move up and get a Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson, or Justin Fields, or maybe you say, hey, the third, the QB three I love is Mac Jones. <laughs> love it. And we'll, t- and we'll take Mac Jones there at number three. If he, if he falls, wouldn't that be crazy? Because then it'd be a situation where they're like, you could have stayed at nine and pick <laughs> Mac Jones. And then all the leaks would come out and would be where people be saying, no, no, no. We got intel that Mac Jones was going to go at like pick four, or pick five, or pick five. <laughs> yeah. The Falcons fell in love with it. Be stuff like that that comes out because it always, it always, always does. Oh so, yeah. Yeah, that's and so all of these things you have to you have to bring into play here. I mean, Deshaun Watson gets you the elite quarterback, but you lose the ability to surround him with talent. Dak Prescott if the Cowboys do not tag him, get you the elite quarterback at a high price tag, but then you don't have to sacrifice draft capital. And so you can cost control the rest of it around him. And then a Trevor Lawrence, a Zach Wilson, a Mac Jones means you do have the cost control quarterback and you can surround him uh, with free agents to, to fill in the gap that are at a higher price tag. So yeah, all, all this is, is stuff that should be rolling through George Payton's mind right now. And I'm, and I'm quite certain that it is, and these things have been discussed, because one thing that we've learned about George Payton is he is a very thorough guy. Mm-hmm. You know, the days of no plan B are over. <laughs> right. There's a plan B, C, D, E, and F to react to whatever the landscape looks like and how it changes. Yep. 
So Mace, I have to ask, since you threw that new name in there, Dak Prescott, well, where does he rank? Uh, th- these are the three options. Deshaun Watson, where you're going to have to pay him a lot on his current contract and give up a ton to get him. Dak Prescott, where you're going to have to pay him a ton, but not give up anything to get him. Or Trevor Lawrence, where you're not going to have to pay him much at all for the next five years, but you're going to have to give up a ton to get him. Ra- ra- rank those for me. Ooh. I keep coming back to the whole thing that I know that I know that Deshaun Watson is elite and Dak Prescott is in that second tier. And you say, okay, can he climb the ladder and reach that first tier? Right. And if there, if there's a reluctance for the Cowboys to pay him, it is the reluctance to pay a pretty good quarterback elite money. Mm-hmm. And the, and I, and I get that. The elite quarterback still trumps all for me, and so I, that's why I'd say Watson's the the first choice. But then I would also, but then if you believe that Dak, if you believe that Dak Prescott can take the next step, Dak, Dak Prescott should be your first choice. Right. right. If you really and, believe, and you're rolling the you, dice there too. Yeah, you're rolling the dice that he can do well coming off injury. You're also rolling the dice that Dak Prescott can replicate the success he had without an Ezekiel Elliott level running back. Now right. the receiving core, when it cores went healthy, pretty comparable, because uh, I'd say the Cowboys have a more proven overall receiving core than the Broncos. But the Broncos probably can match them in terms of raw talent. They get, it's just that nobody is yet the Amari Cooper, like the Cowboys have right now. Right. So, yeah. So, my question to you is, Zach, what would you do? Like, if you had these po- door door number one is trading is trading up and getting a draft quarterback. Door number two is Deshaun Watson, which costs you, which costs you both draft capital and cap capital. Door number three is Dak Prescott, who draw, who costs you cap capital but not draft capital. Just in that order, Mace. I'm going door one, two, three. My first option okay. is is Trevor Lawrence or whoever George Payton falls in love with. This draft class of quarterbacks yeah. is really good. I have to imagine George Payton loves one of these guys. And if that's the case, you get a young guy and who, who can be elite. And I'm talking top three. He can be better than Deshaun Watson. You do that. And yes, you are giving up a lot to get him, but but chances are this is going to be your best shot at a truly elite quarterback that you're really ever going to have if you're George Payton. And then the cherry on top is what Mace loves. It's that cost-controlled quarterback for four to five years. So that, to me, Drink. exactly on this Friday morning or Thursday morning, I should say. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what you do uh, for my first option. Second option, you do lean toward Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. And the reason for that is he is elite and he's a top five, top six quarterback, one step ahead of Dak Prescott. And even though it's going to cost you so much to trade to get that type of quarterback it would, where you don't have to give up that for Dak, it that's a big step to go from, from the top of tier two to maybe the bottom of tier one. That's a big step. And then there's just no risk. You know, you're getting a truth uh, player at quarterback and then three Dak Prescott, but by no means is this a bad option, Mace. This is a very good option. If the Broncos are able to get him for $35 million a year. Yeah. I'm, I, I think I think you make a, make some really good points there, and um, 
I don't, the funny thing is that I don't expect any of these options to be the path the Broncos end up taking. Um, I think the Sean Watson thing, if the Texans are stubborn, is going to linger into the season. Um, I think the Cowboys are going to come to their senses and they're going to give that second franchise tag to Dak Prescott. And, um, and I think the Broncos uh, won't move up. Although I have to ask you this, what if the quarterback that George Payton falls in love with is Mac Jones. Do you stand Pat at nine and roll the dice that he falls? Or if you get a sense that Jones's stature is rising in the personnel and scouting community, do you move up a little bit just to CYA? and make sure you can get Mac Jones. This is so easy for me, Mace. And it's easy for me <laughs> to say, of course, but you move up. Yeah. And Mace, you yeah. know what? If, if he loves Mac Jones, and, and I'll just take the, the Mac Jones type uh, or the Mac Jones name out of this and say, let's say it's a Justin Fields who kind of is viewed as a third quarterback or heck, even Trey Lance. Let's say it's it's one of those guys, not one of the two front runners right now. And, and, mm-hmm. and George Payton loves him. Move up to three, Mace. Make that jump yeah. that we that we said. And what's that going to cost? It's going to cost you nine this year, a first round pick next year, and what do we say, a second or a third round pick this year? That that's a ton to give up for potentially. You're talking about the third quarterback taken in the draft, but you do it if if George Payton loves him, you do that in a heartbeat. And, and the reason is why you do that now, and you don't wait till next year. And Mace, I, I know you you love Sam Howell. But there's a chance that you just may not be in the Sam Howell conversation. You may you there you may be sitting at 15 next year because Drew Locke and Ryan Fitzpatrick get you seven wins this coming <laughs> year. And there there could be literally nothing you could do to get up to one to get Sam Howell. This is your best opportunity sitting at nine to trade up high in the draft uh, with paying a steep price, but not literally giving away your entire. Uh, your entire team. So yes, even if it's not for Trevor Lawrence, I am still trading pretty much whatever it needs to, to go get a quarterback that I love. Yep. And to go back to the original point of this with, uh, with June Jones talking about the quarterbacks, here's another quote that he had on Mac Jones, your guy quote. Some people are going to have a problem with me saying that the praise about Jones or about, about Mac Jones, because he's only done it one year, yada, yada, yada. But I saw enough in one year where you say, if that's the only year, wow, that guy is going to be something else, unquote. Mm, I now, love it. I love it. It's now, I mean, the thing with Mac Jones, I, I will, I cannot question the accuracy. Yeah. I mean, the accuracy, the ability to adjust to situations like, like when he had the wind at his back and the, and it was tossing the ball all over the place. Mac Jones was the quarterback who down at senior bowl practice with winds of 30 miles an hour at his back was dropping dimes. The problem was he really wasn't doing a good, good job throwing into the wind and, and was a little bit limited. So he doesn't have the raw arm talent, but boy, oh boy, did he have the accuracy and boy, oh boy, was he dropping some dimes throughout that week. When I found this link, Zach, I went back and, and was watching some of the senior bowl film and, um, I was I was more impressed on a on a th- on a third watch of a, couple of, of a couple of those practice clips. And uh, I. 
I would not be unhappy if Mac Jones was the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for the Broncos. Mm, I certainly would not be either. And you're you're I'm right, coming, Mace. I'm coming around a little. I'm coming around a little bit. I still like Sam Howell better next year, but I'm coming around on Mac Jones. If oh, if, if this was it. a plan for the Broncos, I could embrace it. I love it. I love it, Mason. And I could absolutely embrace it as well. And um, yes, Mac Jones does not have the strongest arm in the world. And my defense to that, which is a question mark about him. And really, in my opinion, the the only big question mark. Yes, was he playing with great players? Yes, but he was also making the right reads there. So my defense to his arm is he breaks the threshold. It, it's a good enough arm to compete right. in the NFL. It It's not going to blow you away. You're right, but it's good enough. And he can make those deep throws. Like you were saying, uh, the, the 56%, 58% completion uh, on deep balls. There you go. And May, speaking of quarterbacks, before we get out of this first segment, you know what? Mm-hmm. Let, 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 let's, let's hit a break really quick because this could be a conversation and tell the good people about Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, go Rams, but they have supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. In fact, Mike is a certified financial planner, so he can look at everything when it comes to your financial situation. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options over at dnvrmortgage.com. And since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage your largest debt, they believe it is vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. So visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. And most importantly, get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options. You can even give Virginia a call directly at 303-257-6578. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. You know, when you get that house, you get the mortgage, but you get that house and you're calling it home, You got that fridge sitting there in your kitchen. You're going to want to fill it up, right? Why don't you fill it up with some seltzer? Breckenridge Brewery is finally introducing their seltzer line. And it comes in a beautiful 15-pack. They've got apple, pear, cherry, peach, berry, and honeydew, as Krusty the Clown would say. Honeydew is the money melon. Head on over to the Breck Beer Locator and see where the closest 15-pack of Breckenridge seltzers is to you and go pick one up. The DNVR family had them all weekend. They did not disappoint. So tag us and Breck to let you know what you think of their new line of seltzers. Very in style. And of course, Breckenridge Brewery has that tradition of excellence with its beer that it's carrying over to its seltzers as well. Of course, Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. And you know what goes well with seltzer? A nice meal. So you got you got a bit you got a berry seltzer you got a peach seltzer I think that's going to be my favorite once I dive into this and you've got some good food well check out the farmhouse over in Littleton if you order your meal and beer from the farm from the farmhouse which is right there off Santa Fe use the magical code DNVR and save five dollars off your meal if you're local you can also pick up your food and your brew down at the farmhouse so call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. for pickup. That's 303-803-1380. They'll bring your order right out to the car for you with that magical code DMVR. Of course, you'll get $5 off, like I mentioned earlier. And 
We talked about the 15-can sampler of seltzer. Don't forget about the 15-can sampler of Breckenridge, Breckenridge Breweries beers. You can find that through Drizzly. And if you want Breckenridge Brews anywhere in this country, check out the Breck Beer Locator and see where the nearest spot is to you to get those delicious Breckenridge Brews. Odds are you are probably not too far from someplace that gets you a taste of Colorado wherever you are in this country through Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. And Mace, the news that's breaking just as we are doing this podcast is that Carson Wentz has been traded, not to the Denver Broncos, but instead to the Indianapolis Colts Mm. in exchange for a 2021 third round pick and a conditional 2022 second round pick that turns into a first round pick if he plays 75% of the snaps next year or plays 75, <laughs> there you go. Or 70% of the snaps and the Colts make the playoffs. So, I mean, a good chance there that what this deal ends up turning into is a third round pick this year and a first round pick next year. The Eagles may have got their first round pick that they were looking for, for Carson Wentz, which, which is just absolutely wild. But of course the big news for the Broncos Mace is Carson, and Wentz will not be a Bronco. Well, there's also some uh, some ancillary news to it, and it is that because the Eagles trade Carson Wentz to the Colts, that means they don't get Nick Foles back in this mm, deal. Now, is right. there a separate deal involved, or is Nick Foles going to be available to anybody? And he's somebody that the Broncos might take a look at. Interesting. If it, if it comes down to a hedge for Drew Locke, Nick Foles is somebody that uh, could be on their radar, could uh, certainly be on Pat Shermer's radar because he's co- he coached Nick Foles back in Philadelphia. So that's the that is actually I think the biggest impact for the Broncos because I don't th- because I don't think they were seriously in on Carson Wentz in any way, shape, or form. But what if this means that Nick Foles can? Uh, end up going anywhere and what if this means that Nick Foles could be coming to Denver as the hedge on Drew Locke and I can feel sphincters tightening as people listen to this podcast (laughs) and think about the notion when we're talking about big ideas like Dak Prescott Deshaun Watson trading up for one of these quarterbacks if the addition to the room is Nick Foles I do think Broncos country be disappointed (laughs) <laughs> yes, I certainly think so. Or another Bears quarterback, Mace, Mitchell Trubisky. Oh. Uh, maybe this makes it a little less of a mm-hmm. chance that Mitchell Trubisky gets out of yeah. Chicago, although I still think that the Bears are yeah. very much looking for a quarterback upgrade and will not be going with Mitchell Trubisky. But maybe yeah. this uh, this this will prevent that just a little bit. But, yeah, certainly this makes the Bears players for uh, for Deshaun Watson or any other top quarterback that's out there. Right. Now, the terms of the contract for Nick Foles uh, dictate that he wouldn't be cut. It would have to be a trade and probably a day three pick for Nick Foles. But, I mean, I don't know. If, if you told me you could have Gardner Minshew for a fifth-round pick or Nick Foles for a sixth-round pick, I'm taking Gardner Minshew every day. Oh, every day and absolutely twice twice on Sunday. (laughs) I would take him twice every day, not just twice on Sunday. That's how strongly I feel feel about this. But it's also possible that the Bears could look at the situation and say, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, if we let him go, Nick Foles is the guy we keep around as a hedge. And maybe the Bears Bears are clearly in the quarterback market because of 
how they were in on Carson Wentz. So what do they do now? This is uh, this this is this is very very interesting in in how it shakes up the market a little bit. It is. It is very interesting. And Mace, let's talk to the listeners now. First comment coming in for you. All right. Hang on. You know what? With uh, the Wentz thing coming in, I closed the window. So let me open it up here. <laughs> Count Locula says, can you all explain dead money? Is it like when you get paid, but you know all of your Skrilla is already de- already destined toward things other than that sweet remote control car that your three-year-old is way too young for, but they need to get him because you can really have some great bonding time over it. Is it all like that? Love the count. <laughs> I like how we're talking about Skrilla. I love it. Um, yeah, dead money is, it's not money that's actually paid out to the player. It's more so a, a way that the NFL, it's more of an accounting measure for teams to stay accountable to the money that they give players in terms of bonuses and everything. Right, Mace? Right. And basically the easy way of thinking of dead money is like this. It's money that is on your books on the salary cap, but is going to a player who's no longer on your roster. And right. the, the, where this comes into play, for example, with Deshaun Watson in Houston, Houston will still be on the hook for what is left of Deshaun Watson's signing bonus. They won't be on the hook for the actual per year salary. So if they trade Deshaun Watson, because they're still on the hook for that signing bonus and he would not be on the team, that would be their dead money. Um, do you remember, you remember at this time last year, we were talking about Joe Flacco's contract and the Broncos converted some of Flacco's 2019 salary to a bonus and basically created space in 2019. And then that meant that there was dead money to Joe Flacco in 2020. But the thing that was interesting there is that was sort of an accounting trick because any cap space that you create that you have, you can carry over to the following year. So in effect, what they did was they created more cap space in 2019. They didn't use it. So the cap space they carried over to 2020 effectively ended up being Joe Flacco. But because he was not on the roster on the roster, it was considered dead money, even though the accounting was the exact same. Right. Yep. You're exactly right. And speaking of dead money, wow, they, this is incredible timing to count. It's like you knew yeah. the Eagles will have $33.8 million in dead money for Carson Wentz this year, which is the largest dead cap charge in NFL history. Yikes. That is, uh, that's talking about, you really don't like a player. You, you had to give him up for maybe not even a first round pick in order to take that dead cap. Wow. I mean, think about that for a moment. The Eagles are going to have $33 million in dead money for Carson Wentz. How, what I want to see is this, and I'm going to look this up right now over at over the cap. How many quarterbacks have a higher cap figure than that? Well, right now, Zach, only, uh, only, only four quarterbacks would have a higher cap figure. And oh, by the way, one of them is being traded in Jared Goff. So the only quarterbacks right now with higher cap figures for their teams than the Eagles will have for Carson Wentz to not play for them are Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers. Wow. Think about (laughs) that for a moment. Yeah, that is something. Jeez, jeez. Not, Not a good place to be for the Eagles there. 
Next one coming in from Mace. I, I don't know who this next one's coming in from. This is the first time I've ever seen this where no name pops up. Do you see a name on this next comment? I don't see a name. I do Holy see... cow. From no name. I do see a little blue, a little blue star. <laughs> yes. So that's, that, that, that's something, right? I mean, you know what? You read the comment. I'm going to go in the back end and see of the site and see if I can find out who left this. Ah, this person is trying to be tricky and I like it. He's, yes. they say, whoever it is says, since the Arenado trade, I found it very difficult to care about or root for the Rockies at all. I am like a lot of Rockies fans reassessing my MLB fanship. It got me thinking about the Broncos, my greatest sports love. And if it would be possible for them to make a move. So boneheaded that it'd make me reevaluate my fandom of them. I wound up with this scenario the texans are entertaining offers of watson and end up selling him to the 49ers for just two firsts the broncos instead decide to trade two firsts, two seconds von miller court and sutton bradley chubb and justin simmons in exchange for carson wentz they then turn around and immediately hire adam gase's head coach josh mcdaniels as oc and andrea iguodala as defensive coordinator even then as absolutely irate as i would be i think i'd still find myself rooting for that dumpster fire of a broncos team what about you guys can the broncos do enough wrong a la Rockies that you can seriously consider your fandom. Well, good news for you, Mr. No Name, is that the Broncos won't be trading those pieces for Carson Wentz. So maybe this maybe this scenario isn't even possible for you. But for me, for Mace, or for, for me, Mace, it would have to be something with ownership, I think, where an owner comes in who's like a really bad dude. And that bleeds through the organization. It wouldn't be uh, a stupid move. You know, I, I stuck with the Broncos without a question through the Josh mm. McDaniels area era. And that was kind of about as bad as it gets, but uh, it, it would have to start up top with, with just a bad person as an owner. Bad ownership is the one thing that can make you lose, lose faith. And I think it's a good reason to abandon a team because you can't count on that changing. You can count on the players changing. You can count on the coaches changing. The owner, if they've got the financial resources and wherewithal, you could be stuck with that person for decades. Look at Washington with Daniel Snyder. They're going into their 23rd season with Snyder running that show and running it poorly. And that can cause you to lose hope. Now, where does Houston rank on this? Because maybe Cal McNair is not a, is not the worst person in the world, but clearly there's a competence issue in terms of how he's running the team and who he's putting his trust in. Are, are the Texans at a point where it is okay for their fans to ditch him? Yeah. I think so. I think so. Because Cal McNair could, could own the team for – decades yeah and good. if he doesn't figure this thing out or if he doesn't break free from the hypnotic hold that jack easterby appears to have on him oh my gosh they're gonna keep making one bad decision uh, after another it's 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 interesting to have the conversation about the state of the texans with with people on on the business side around the nfl and how aghast everyone is at what at how they're doing at, at, at what they're doing i mean i have not talked to anybody who thinks that the texans are actually making good moves here it's universal that they're yeah. idiots and oh by yeah. and, and oh by the way they've they've chased they've either they've they've chased off or they've outright let go of 
some people who are considered among the very best in their fields, uh, uh, you know, in terms of in terms of PR and things like that around the league. So what is going on? Why does Houston want to get rid of of good people all for the sake of elevating this chaplain, this life coach? It's just asinine. I, I feel I feel awful for Houston fans, especially for long term Houston fans. Usually we do bum talk Friday on a Friday. <laughs> I'm going to bring bum in on Thursday because firing bum Phillips was one of many examples of how Bud Adams, the owner of the Houston Oilers, the only owner that the Houston Oilers ever had, did not know what he was doing. I mean, ima- imagine, imagine having a coach who's gotten you to the playoffs three straight times in two of them. You, you, you make the conference championship game and you lose on the road. One of them, a really tough game to the biggest dynasty of your age in, in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Imagine that. Imagine that this coach that you've had has had five winning seasons out of six has won double digits four times out of six and you, and you sack him. I believe it's still called the new year's Eve massacre in Houston. And there, are, and, and that's just the tip of the iceberg with Bud Adams and the ways in which he messed up that Oilers franchise. So you had Bud Adams, you lose football for a few years, but okay, it's fine. You're getting a team back. Bob McNair looks like he knows what he's doing. And for a long time, it's a very professional organization, how they go about things. And eventually they figure out how to win. But then Bob McNair, he dies. And now you have, and and now you have what appears to be his idiot son running the franchise. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so you're back. You're right back where you start. You're started from. You're like, oh my gosh, this guy doesn't know what he was doing. I mean, oh man. I for the the long haul Houston football fans who who bled who bled Columbia blue and red and now bleed navy uh, deep navy. I think he called deep steel blue and, and red. I feel for them because they've been to this opera before and it sucked. Yeah. Now they're going they're- again. Yep, and they're going to be stuck in there all throughout intermission and for the oh. next many, many acts, unfortunately, for them. Maybe it'll turn out to, to benefit the Broncos, though, with Deshaun Watson coming to Denver. Well, you know what? John Elway became a Denver Bronco because you had an owner that didn't know what he was doing in Bob Ursay with the Baltimore Colts at the time. And in the end, the Broncos got John Elway for a steal in part because Bob Ursay didn't let Ernie Acorsi, the GM, do his his job. And Bob Ursay was negotiating the trade back and forth with Edgar Kaiser. And Edgar Kaiser basically pulled off a theft on him. But he wouldn't have been able to pull off that theft if he was dealing with Ernie Acorsi. Mm, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting there. Very yep. interesting. Next one coming in from Casper. Fellas, John Elway and Eli Manning never played it down for the teams that drafted them. Speaking of which, is there any worry within the NFL executives that college players will do the same if they are drafted by Houston? I don't imagine guys drafted later in the draft will do so. But what about if Houston has a top three pick and the guy says... Screw this. this. It makes for great TV and see it play out, but it's a bad look overall for the league. How say you? Well, I don't think it's something that 
there's been a lot of chatter about around the league right now. So I don't think it's something that where there's a great deal of worry, but you do have to think about it. Now, is it that bad a look for the league though? I mean, was it a bad look for the league that Eli Manning said, no, I don't want to be a charger. No, no. Frankly, it added to the drama, right? It was, it was bad for San Diego. I mean, it was bad for Baltimore that John Elway uh, uh, didn't want to play there. By the way, Zach, some magnificent so-and-so has posted the Denver at Baltimore game week two, 1983 on YouTube. It's in two parts, first (laughs) half and the second half. And if you want to see an interesting slice of Broncos history, I encourage people to go watch this Broncos Colts week two, 1983. A blazing hot day in Baltimore, 102 degrees. But what was hotter than that was the vitriol that Baltimore fans had for John Elway. I don't think I've ever seen a game where a single player was subjected to more hostility and louder hostility from a fan base than John Elway was from the Baltimore Colt fan base that day. In fact, I texted Jim Sacamano after, after watching the game. And he said this quote, the loudest worst day ever in terms of vitriol in my career. Scary. Wow. Wow. That's wild. And for just John's second game too. Yeah. So if you got a couple hours, sit down and, and, and watch that game on YouTube Broncos Colts week two, 1983, a game at Memorial stadium in Baltimore. It's a real fascinating slice of Broncos history. And Oh, by the way, Elway struggled that day. Steve DeBerg, like he did the previous week in Pittsburgh, Steve DeBerg had to ride into the rescue to save the Broncos and get them to 2-0. How about that? How about yeah. that? That That's something. And so, Mace, I, to, to get to the question, and I totally agree with you, mm-hmm. uh, no, I don't think the NFL will step in. Uh, I don't think the NFL cares. It's a really bad look for the Texans, but not for the NFL. Like you said, it just creates drama around it. Um, and... So yeah, it, it it's it's not not really a, that bad of a look for the NFL themselves. Exactly. And the other thing is, if the NFL were going to step in or could step in, wouldn't they have stepped in on Washington at some point over the years? Right. Daniel Snyder still owns that team. Now, in Carolina, with a lot of malfeasance uh, in regarding sexual harassment and racism, Jerry Richardson sold the team. But Jerry Richardson was always kind of what they called a league guy. I mean, this was someone who insisted on putting the NFL shield and not the Panther logo at the 50-yard line at Bank of America Stadium, much to the consternation of Panther fans. So Richardson was more inclined to take the quick and quiet exit. But that's something – but I don't think that uh, uh, Cal McNair would be certainly – Daniel Snyder is not inclined to take the quick and quiet exit he's dug in. So in general, the league doesn't have a lot of sway here. They're, if they're stuck with that owner, if that owner wants to keep running the team. Yeah. And the, the league doesn't care about poor football management. They, they care about, you know, an ethical workplace, illegal acts happening. That's when the league steps in and will make something happen. But if a team is just, being run incredibly poor just by poor football moves. Oh, well, they, they don't care. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The fail safes that are in place 
for bad ownership are generally financial in saying that you can't take your credit line above a certain level, that you have to put money in escrow when you sign a player to a guaranteed contract for that guaranteed cash. Yeah, exactly. That sort of thing. Those are the fail safes that are in place. And if you're in violation of those, that could force you out, not simply mismanaging it. Exactly. Exactly. No, good question though. Next one coming yeah. in from low country Bronco morning boys. Look, Deshaun is a given if possible, but I have to say I'm here for Gardner Minshew. I think he could surprise people paired with a talent. We already have. He's also a no drama fun dude, but like Ryan said, he's a gritty competitor. I consider him a more complete quarterback than drew and seems to be a guy who would thrive under pressure. Whereas drew is pretty hit or miss in that area. I remember Melvin's interview where he claimed drew lacked real confidence in the locker room. I think Minshew has, has real confidence and that will instantly appeal to the locker room, especially the vets. It definitely feels like a move that will happen no later than the official start of free agency. Keep the Broncos news coming fellas. LCB great comment LCB. And uh, there really shouldn't be any surprise if Gardner Minshew has success at his next stop, whether it's Denver or somewhere else makes 37 touchdowns, 11 interceptions over a 60% completion. That is success right there on a bad Jaguars team. So he does not have the winning percentage success that some may say, but he was with the team that now has the number one overall pick. They were that bad. And he was still able to beat the Broncos two years ago in Denver. Uh, So yeah, Gardner, Gardner Minshew, it should not be a surprise when he has success, but I totally see where you're coming from, Low Country Bronco. I completely see that as well. And at Gardner Minshew, um, the thing that that sticks with me about him, remember that touchdown pass that that he threw in the third quarter when the the Broncos were were still up in the game. And he steps up and he steps back and he's dodging defenders. And then finally he kind of has that little lob into the end zone for the, for the touchdown. That is instinctive quarterbacking that what he did there is for me, the play that really opened my eyes to him because what is the one thing that you can't coach? I mean, you can, you can coach a guy to have better footwork. You can coach a guy uh, to have better fundamentals in terms of how he throws the ball. You can coach him to read defenses better, and that can coaching and experience. You can't coach the ability to feel the rush and buy time like he did. I mean, uh, the, the way he was moving around and keeping his eyes upfield and waiting for a late opening receiver, I mean, that's the kind of play that you just sit back and say, wow, not many guys can do something like that. And he looked completely, he looked completely in control. And I actually just went back here and watched it again. The eyes are always forward. He's moving around. He's watching the defenders. He's, he's, he's moving away. And the eyes are always toward the end zone. It's, it's fantastic. Yep. Yep. He he's got a great presence. He has, he has good decision maker mace. The one thing he doesn't have, he doesn't have the height. Uh, and you know what? Who I don't cares? care. I, I don't <laughs> care about height. Exactly. That's not something that teams should, should care that much about. If he's a good quarterback, he can play simple yeah, as that. And, uh, uh, and who knows? Um, he was a sixth round pick, right? Tom Brady yep. was a six-round pick. Yeah, 
Oh, <laughs> hey, I, I love can't, it. I, I can't it. believe I did that. Yes. Uh, and now he's bringing championships well, to your team. Mace. And look, and, and yeah, he, he's the, these are the aberrations. These are, you know, Gardner Minshew and Tom Brady are the needles in the haystacks. I mean, Tom Brady's the ultimate unicorn, but even a quarterback like Gardner Minshew, who's done some good things as a young player, but isn't yet kind of proven to be uh, more than middle, middle tier. In the second round, that is still a needle in a haystack type of find in terms right. of value. Absolutely. Absolutely. W- without a doubt. And something else that is without a doubt is our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. We've had many members of our DNVR family switch over to Green Mountain Dental, and they have had nothing but great things to say. In fact, they, they've said that they are that family dental experience that they've been looking for. And that's exactly what we find over at Green Mountain Dental. Our director of sales, Lindsay and Allie, have both had their wisdom teeth removed at Green Mountain Dental and they both had excellent things to say, including just the personal care that Green Mountain Dental has when you're in the dentist's office and also when you leave the dentist personally call up and check on you uh, themselves, which just shows you that they truly do care about you. And if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's all you have to do is schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. So make sure to check out our friends at Green Mountain Dental. Now- for dental care, the nature of it, you've still got to show up in person. But there are a lot of things medically you can take care of without having to go in person. And that's where our friends over at Zoom Care, that's zoomcare.com, Z O O M C A R E.com, come in. If you hate going to the doctor in person like the rest of us, check out Zoom Care. They say, hey, the one great thing that we can take away from a pandemic is the ability to do more things from the comfort of our own home. And nobody likes sitting at a doctor's office or even going to the doctor for, the, for that matter. But we all need to consult with a doctor. We all need to uh, get medical counsel. And so that is where Zoom care comes in. Of course, it is all over video. It's all virtual. But you can still see, hear, and chat with your doctor like a traditional office visit. You can even get a remote diagnosis if there's something going on. Get secure access to urgent, primary, and special care and specialist care. Pardon me, including mental health. Zoom cares, video care is covered by most private insurers, usually with a, a copay. So, like I said earlier, ZoomCare.com to get started. Z o o m c a r e dot com. Help this partner out because, hey, supporting our partners is supporting us. And you know what? You maybe you just need uh, maybe you just need a wellness checkup. Maybe uh, maybe something uh, there's a symptom of something you're concerned about it. Well, ZoomCare.com allows you to consult with uh, with a registered with a registered physician, someone who's certified, someone who's of quality, and take the steps toward making sure that you're in good health. So go to ZoomCare.com for all the details you need for a new way to get healthcare right from the comfort of your own home, zoomcare.com. Let's move on to in the comments. Next one coming in from our friend, Sebastian Airbay. My boys, I hope you guys are doing great. Y'all got me super pumped for the potential of getting Minshew today. So thanks for that. Today, I've got a couple of questions. The second one is copy and paste it from yesterday. I think you forgot to read the second part of my comment. Also, Zach, your article on Lloyd Cushenberry was great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you, Sebastian. First off, we were talking about cornerbacks yesterday. And I wanted to ask how likely you guys think it is that we trade for Marshawn Lattimore. Also, how much would that cost us in draft? capital considering the saints are screwed in the cap space department 
Mace, what do you think? How much would it cost to get Marshawn Lattimore? I, I, I think that if they have to trade him for cap space purposes, they're still going to get a, a first round pick back. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the best cornerbacks in this league. I think uh, that's what they would expect. And I just can't see the Broncos giving up a first round pick. Now, maybe there's a, you're talking about a trade down, a shuffling of picks and uh, the equivalent thereof. But um, yeah, I can't see the Broncos straight up trading their first round pick for Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore, it seems like a, a better fit situationally for a team that is picking in the mid to late twenties that needs a, a CB one right now. Man, what if you, I think the Saints are in the mid-20s. What if the Saints go from their pick in the mid-20s uh, all the way up to nine for Marshawn Lattimore? So the Broncos get Marshawn Lattimore in the pick in the mid-20s. Would you do that, Mace? Mm. I'd think about it. The problem is, if I'm trading down, I'd still prefer to get capital for 2022 than right. Marshawn Lattimore because if Drew Locke doesn't pan out, what are you doing at quarterback in 2022? You've got to be in position to go get that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And Marshawn Lattimore doesn't help you with that. His next question is the second is just something I'm confused about. Do you guys have any idea why the Broncos seem to not love Philip Lindsay? I think I speak for the vast majority of Broncos country. When I say we all love Phil, do the Broncos not seem to love him because he doesn't fit in Pat Shermer's offense? I don't know. I've just always been confused on this and wanted to get y'all's opinion. Thanks for everything. Much love Sebastian. You know, it's always harder for players who are outside of the norm to get traction and respect because, unfortunately, they're still defined by that trait. In Philip Lindsay's case, it's his, it's his size that is outside the norm for an every-down running back. I mean, you, you expect your every-down running back to be bigger, to be wider, to be, strong, to be stronger than Philip Lindsay is at least physically stronger. We know that Philip Lindsay has the, the, the courage and mental and emotional strength of a lion, basically. So I, I think that, that sometimes what happens is every, that you get too caught up in the template of what a player should be and lose sight of what that player is in terms of his performance. You get caught up in the template. You get caught up in traits rather than focusing on the performance. Right. And, and yeah, what it boils down to is, and this isn't just a Pat Shermer thing, Mace. This is something that the the team has kind of treated Philip Lindsay like this the whole time. It's his size. They just think that he's too small to be a bell cow in an every down back. Um, and you know what the, the, he, he's been hurt. Uh, and especially last year, John Elway was proven right uh, in bringing in Melvin Gordon. So it's going to be interesting that, yeah. man, I certainly think Philip Lindsay is worth a second round tender, which is three and a half million dollars. It's going to be interesting to see if, if they think he is as well. I agree. And like I've argued, you bring him back, you're getting a year out of him. And then he, if he leaves in free agency, you get a compensatory big pick back, probably about a fifth rounder. That's better than nothing. And if you just yeah. let him go right now, original round tender, someone gives him a contract, you let him go. You are getting nothing. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. Hearing the Ming Shu talk is giving me deja vu. It's like the same conversation. I remember hearing about the Broncos bringing in a weirdo named Jake Plummer from the disaster in the desert. Oh, come on. He wasn't weird. He was just unique. You know, <laughs> I got, I got to think maybe the I, dingo at your baby is just trolling here. Yeah, I think so. I mean, <laughs> uh, 
give me the quarterback or give me the player, give me the person that is true to them to, to the, themselves uh, to themselves and their personality. That's Jake Plummer. <laughs> he, he's right. he, he's one of the most true, authentic people I've ever covered. Yeah, which it which is hard to get, especially in this day and age. And yeah. didn't Jake Plummer uh, have his uh, retirement announcement right before a handball tournament? Yes, uh, he because <laughs> the Broncos, um, you know, they traded his rights to Tampa Bay, and John Gruden flew up, uh, I believe, to flip to Idaho and uh, tried to convince Jake Plummer to to come back and and come for another season, but um, it didn't work out, and then. That was it. Jake Plummer had his handball tournament and he retired and, and that was it. It, <laughs> that it was tremendous. <laughs> it was a wild, wild moment. Anyway, maybe the dengue wakes your baby continues by asking who is the most likely best player available at pick number nine. If nothing changes. Patrick Sertan. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to go with him because Mace, uh, I was going to go Caleb Farley thinking Patrick Sertan is going to be off the board, but Mace, I think four quarterbacks go in the top eight picks, which will then drop Sertan back to them at nine. Yeah. I think the most talented player is Micah Parsons, but best mm. player available also incorporates character. Right. And as we've discussed, uh, there are to say there are red flags is to put it kindly. Right. And so my answer was going to be a cornerback. I think Sertan or Caleb Farley are going to be available. And one of those two, I think, is going to be the best player available at number nine. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and if the Broncos do stay at nine, although it may make the least amount of sense, as Mace detailed earlier, uh, if they do stay at nine, that would be not only best player available, that could be outside of quarterback, the biggest position of need as well. So that would match up nicely. And the interesting thing there, of course, with uh, with, with the cornerbacks is kind of like we talked about with the QBs earlier. If you're in a position where you say, hey, we really like both of these guys. We really like Sertan. We really like Farley. We're happy with either of them. Then you just stand pat and you wait, and then you take the guy who's the, uh, who's the best guy who's left. And uh, both of them are left. You take your cornerback one, but you're happy with your cornerback two. And I actually think if the Broncos did stand pat, that they would be very happy with either Sertan or Farley. I think both of them are on are, are very high on their radars. I agree. I agree. Next one from LDJ. As I'm watching the tape and reviewing the season, it seems pretty obvious that Judy and Locke's lack of chemistry. Judy needs his own quarterback to throw to a spot, and Drew doesn't necessarily throw with anticipation. He throws when his main area is open, and Drew prefers that in cut route, and that Noah and KJ run not the sluggo or comeback and outs that Judy ran mostly. Tim Patrick and Cortland can go in despite how inaccurate Drew is throwing outside the hashes. Is this on Drew as a passer or is it on Shermer not drawing up plays based on what he does well? Because one more thing, no matter the route on play action, Drew is awesome. But I noticed in shotgun or in the pocket, I saw the difference in success on routes Drew through to. This is this is great analysis, LDJ. But the thing that really jumped out to me and was was sounding sirens in my head when I was reading this was you th- was you said that Drew doesn't throw with anticipation he throws when his guy is open that works in college mace that does not work in the NFL no quarterback is going to have success if they can't throw with anticipation and they have to wait for a guy to get open and what's interesting is that you go back to Drew Lock the first glimpse we have Drew Lock in the preseason of 2019 and one of the throws that jumps out is that that rope that he throws to Troy Fumagalli and he's throwing that before Fumagalli makes his break 
that's an anticipatory throw. Yeah. And, and it's into a tight window. So in terms of throws like that, I think Drew Locke does have that ability within him. I also think that this is an area where, and I know it comes back to COVID and can be perceived as an excuse, but they didn't have the, the reps to get the timing in. And you remember last year in training camp, Jerry Judy was on the second team and we're like, why isn't he working with the ones more? And then finally they work, work him up. But in retrospect, Jerry Judy should have been out there when they went three wide should have been out there as a first team receiver right away. Yes. To start getting some, to start getting some reps should have just been, should have just been up there from the, from the jump so they could accumulate those reps because clearly uh, they, they weren't on the same page at times a lot last year. And that may be just something where it takes more time for Drew to kind of register the anticipate, the anticipation and then make the throw as Jerry Judy, it is starting to make his break or before he makes his break and putting it in the right spot for him. Yeah. That, I mean, it would be huge if Drew's a starting quarterback next year, that's something that they certainly both need, both need to work on and get on the same page with, cause you can't have Jerry Judy not be living up to his potential that that's for sure. Yep. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. Hey guys, Mace, did you get a good look at Elijah Molden when you were down there in Mobile? He's one of my favorite this year, and I think he's a perfect fit for the Broncos. His size might mean he's a nickel corner, but I only but I also see some potential to play safety. His style of play reminds me a lot of Kareem Jackson. Well, yeah, the the size is definitely nickel, and uh, I'm not sure he can make the transition to safety. That being said, um, he was scheduled to be down there at the Senior Bowl, and uh, uh was a, was a late uh, pullout from the game. And so didn't see him that week, but one of the, but what was interesting is that another university of Washington cornerback really impressed. And that was Keith Taylor jr. Who uh, uh, was one of the two best cornerbacks uh, down there. The game day did not go well for him, but he was terrific in one-on-ones. He was physical, but not, but not, but not but not grabby did a good, did a good job of using that, uh, that five yard window from the line of scrimmage to five yards out where he can have contact, did a good job of disrupting timing there. I like what I saw from Keith Taylor jr. I think he played his way into day two. Mm, like that. Like that. Mm-hmm. He goes on and says also, do you have any thoughts of the two other guys I love for the Broncos, Greg Newsom and Tay Tay Gowen. Daniel Jeremiah had Newsom going 21 to the Colts in his latest mock. So he's a potential trade down option and going is a size speed prospect from UCF. That reminds me of ton of Sneed going stock is rising fast and he's likely a day two pick. I think uh, Newsom's more complete right now. And I, and I think with Newsom, he along with JC Horn out of South Carolina is somebody that you're looking at if you trade down, but you still need to go corner. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and those are some options that we need to talk about because that could absolutely happen. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, uh, it, it may not be something that could happen. I think it's something that could be, that could be a likelihood if the Broncos are thinking long-term and even thinking step backward this year, take steps forward next year. That's something that could be on their radar. The other th- reason why you think about it is next year's draft is going to be better than this year's and next year's draft right. should should give you a lot more information because you ought to have a full college season and you ought to have a a normal ish combine and you should be able to bring players into your facility at this time next year. Zach, I would be all about 
trading for future capital and having as little and, and maybe even having little capital for this year to get capital for 2022. I, I feel like this draft is going to be the biggest guesswork job that we've seen in generations. Mm, man. Yep. Yep. That could be the case. You're absolutely right. Mace. So, anyway, orange and blue Aussie says this. I think I'll translate love thunder down unders post and stages makes it more fun. Today's lesson. Aussies are lazy as all hell. Abbreviate things. Anytime we can chin wag equals a podcast. If I push the limits, blokes and birds have a chat about a subject that can be an intense chat about something they love. RK, you were right. A woman can be a Sheila, a bird, and RK picked up on that. Billabong is a lake. More translations to come. Now, stash talk. RK, love you, mate. But Sam Darwin is number one on that list. In my opinion, he's Drew Locke number two. Completion percentage, not good. TD to INT ratio, not good. We need somebody to stay the ship, not repeat the roller coaster. We all see things through our eyes, but he's proven the least. If you look at his college production and interception problems and how that carried over, I'm hoping that you put him as num- at number one as you really want our Drew to succeed. Minshew <laughs> has better numbers than just about all on the list playing for a crap team, and he costs the least. He's also less likely to be a slap in the face to Drew. If we don't get Watson or similar, then he's my guy. Bring some Breck Brews for your visit down under, and the pub crawl will be epic. Come on over when it's AFL season so you get the chance to see our no-pad game with the speed of the NHL and the intensity of the NFL. Just make sure you declare your Wagyu beef from Hassle Cattle Company. I like that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Orange and Blue Ozzy, for helping translate that. And our guy, Love Thunder Down Under, who came in with that comment yesterday, says, look, I've had a few comments in my time which have been scribed on the right end of a few drinks. Yesterday was on the end of a 16-hour workday and then wine and plenty of ah. it. I hope it didn't irate you all too much. I enjoyed writing it. I enjoyed reading it and listening to it, hoping I wasn't alone. Oh, man. Hey, as long as I didn't butcher it enough and you enjoyed listening to it, then I certainly enjoyed it as well. He goes on and says, anyway, football. I hope the discussion about play call, or I enjoyed the discussion about play call verbiage. How many variables are communicated with the play call? What does the complexity add to the success of the offense? Well, I mean, it's, it's not that the complexity adds any success to the, to the offense. What it does is, though, is that it just takes something off of the, the plate of players other than a quarterback. So when, when, you've got the, you know, when you've got the play call coming in in the, in the West Coast style and every player is kind of they listen for their own instruction in that play call and then they, they kind of go forward. Now, the, the, the play calling system that kind of offers the most latitude is the air Coriel system where you're basically giving your receivers the freedom, a lot more freedom to kind of read what the cornerback is going to do. And then they're react, they're reacting to it a little bit. So everything in air Coriel op- operates a little bit more organically. And I think you can also say the same for the three word, uh, Earhart Perkins, uh, verb verbiage, uh, that the Patriots and other teams of, of that, of that thing, of that descent use, whereas the, the West coast nomenclature, everyone's kind of got their instruction and is kind of executing it. So it's, I think it's one, one reason why coaches really like it is because you actually are giving some specific instructions to the, to the players. And certainly they have a little, they have some latitude to adjust to what's thrown in front of them, but not the degree of variables that exist, for example, in the air Coriel nomenclature. 
Yeah, 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 you're right, Mace. Next one from DC Hawk Guy. RK mentioned yesterday that Jameis Winston's upside is the same as very high. Would you say that he has Hall of Fame potential in that system? Oh boy, Whoa. Mace, does that uh, does that send shivers down your spine hearing that? It does, and uh, <laughs> it, it's entirely possible that uh, the future of the Bucks re- re- revolves around pain if Jameis Winston becomes a, an elite quarterback working with Sean Payton, and so basically the price of winning a Super Bowl with Tom Brady could be a, a decade of dealing with Jameis Winston flourishing in New Orleans. I mean, don't think I haven't thought about that, but <laughs> still got the ring on their finger. I mean, it's yeah. the whole sort of the whole thing that we discussed of uh, – is it worth sucking for a long time if you get that big ring? Like, would you rather be compared, go to the playoffs 10 straight years and not win a Super Bowl, or would you rather miss the playoffs in nine years and then win the Super Bowl in year 10 and then miss the playoffs for another nine years? Right. Well, and you don't have to worry about the Bucks missing the Super Bowl. That's for sure. Especially with my DraftKings pick of the week yesterday, making being that they win their division, Mace, they're going back to the playoffs at least. Are they going to win the Super Bowl again? Maybe. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I think that's going to be your pick. Uh, we have we we have uh, the the blank name again here. All right. Oh wow. Conspiracy theory time. We'll have some conspiracy theories about this blank name. Um, the Broncos almost traded for a QB last week. As the title of the last pod implies, I think this could have been Watson. What if the Broncos put in a winning bid and the Texans seriously considered accepting, but then backed out, and that's when they announced they wouldn't trade him? The timing works out pretty perfectly, if you ask me. The good news here is that if the Texans do decide to trade him, it means the Broncos would have the leading offer, and we could actually see Watson on his way to the Mile High City. Well, the only thing with that is, in that theory, that inter- that interesting theory, we have also gotten an indication the Panthers – would uh, be potentially interested in making an audacious deal and one that might include Christian McCaffrey going to Houston. So, you know what? I think even though if this theory were of yours were true, we have the notion out there that the Panthers would have a better offer. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, Christian McCaffrey wouldn't just be a great player for the Texans to get, he'd be a great person for their fan base to, to rally around that. That's for sure. Um, and man, that would be something though about your conspiracy theory, Mr. No name or Mrs. No name. Uh, very interesting. Um, I, I, and Mace, when we look at DraftKings Sportsbook, the Broncos odds have increased. They're now plus 400. They're making their way closer as the favorites. And they actually on FanDuel, uh, they are at plus 150. They are the favorites on FanDuel to land Deshaun Watson. And they're moving up there at DraftKings at plus 400. Wow, wow, wow. So you may want to get in on uh, Deshaun Watson plus 400 at DraftKings before it goes up to 150. Yeah, could be, could be a discount right now. And finally, the other Ryan. My boys. John Oliver said, sometimes it's good to remember how bad food can be so you can enjoy the concept of flavor to the fullest. You know, that's spoken like an English person who knows all about bad food. (laughs) And I can say that because I'm half English and I'm also a British citizen as well as an American citizen. So you know what? We can make fun of ourselves. You you guys can't. We can. (laughs) Exactly. And Chi-Chi Rodriguez stated, Red meat is not bad for you. Now, blue-green meat, that's bad for you. 
<laughs> oh, it, it's uh, it reminds me that reminds me of something that uh, Steve Steve Antonopoulos, aka Greek, would say when he had his uh, address to the team at the start of training camp. Uh, there was always a, a a discussion about what color your urine should be. Oh, because, wow! Because um, you know, you want to make sure you were getting enough fluids, and so he would always say that it needs to look like lemonade, that if it was too dark, you weren't getting enough of, of fluids and that you had to uh, get, get more in. And I remember one year I, tr- he said that, and I, I nudged the person sitting next to me and I said, and if your urine is pink ne- lemonade, go to a hospital immediately. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I love that Mace. <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyway. That the the red meat, of course, is the shout out to the quality meat offerings available through Hassel Cattle Company, as the other Ryan says. Now that I've laid that foundation, what is the worst food item and or meal you've had at a sports arena or stadium? Which stadium did this take place at and when? Have a throwing Thursday. DNV Army salute. It was at Sports Authority Field at Mile High back when it was no no, I think this was actually no name field at Mile High. May have been at this time Broncos Stadium at Mile High. It was after a Broncos game. And the Broncos, of course, provide delicious food to us, except for this one time, May. It's the post-game meal. It was uh it was a un pretty much an uncooked breakfast sausage patty that was just disgusting and and it was double layered with meat too so it was like multiple layers of uncooked meat on the inside and it was greasy but not exactly grease it was some other substance it was uh it just reminded me of the things that are running up and down (laughs) at the stadium as well yeah i'd say for me the worst one at the broncos was it was a the post game is hit or miss and one post game spread it was pizza that wasn't cooked <laughs> and like you could oh you could see the like I, I, maybe it had been cooked but but you but like clearly like the flour was still in the in the dough of the the crust and it's like oh this is awful <laughs> yeah the, <laughs> they just need to stick with the uh, the euros that they serve post game the, Those are the look best. the euros and the burritos that's it and yes. and frankly yep. For the pregame meal, although it may never go back to being what it once was, I think they should stick with Mexican food for the pregame meal and have that be the case every day. I feel like when they branch out, it's it's not good. Like I'm not when they do Italian sausage, it's always a hard pass for me. That that sort of thing. The the Broncos, I would say, <laughs> in terms of the quality of the food in the press box, it's average. It's you know it's 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 very it's very hit or miss. Right. Now, the worst thing, the worst things that I've had, well, this is actually pretty easy for me um, because it changed the way I eat in press boxes oh, boy. forever. I will not have a press box hot dog. I, oh, no. I'll have a press box bratwurst, and I know you're thinking like, oh, they're both cased meats, they're both sausages basically. But I cannot bring myself to have a press box hot dog because in the year 2000, in the year 2000, you remember the uh, Cohen wow. O'Brien sketch? I can't really no. get that high. The, he, Cohen O'Brien, when he did the twelve, when he had the the, when he was on NBC, he used to have a sketch where they talk about like absurd things and say this is what what it would happen in the year two thousand. Let's take a trip to the future. The future Conan? Yes. 
all the way to the year 2000. And they would do this in like 1998 or 1999. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but then when they got past 2000, they kept doing it in the year 2000. That's great. Anyway, so in the year 2000, it was uh, two preseason games. One was at Giant Stadium and one was uh, at the stadium in Jacksonville, which is, which is still there. And I had hot dogs in the press box at halftime at both games. And I got sick both times. Oh, no. So like all those years that in in Oakland where they gave you a sack lunch and a hot dog, I never had the hot dog. (laughs) I would have the potato chips and the cookie from the sack lunch. And sometimes if I was really desperate, I would have the condiments for the hot dog. I would like, I'd have them. I just take, I take the mustard and I just, push it into my mouth that is so sad (laughs) no but i i cannot bring myself to have a press box hot dog under any circumstances i wouldn't blame you i certainly wouldn't blame you especially i wouldn't blame you from having from not eating any cooked food inside that oakland stadium that's for sure the other infamous meal is uh in the nfl is uh, at a super bowl the famous the boxed lunch that you get oh is it good it's not bad. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a sandwich. It's some chips. It's a cookie. There's At the a napkin Super Bowl, that's all you can. That's all they can afford. It's, it's, it's a, it's. I think it's an issue of kind of of volume because you've got like fifteen hundred to two thousand credentialed media for the game, and they're sitting in three different areas of the press box. There's a a, a press state section in the stands, and so that it's more to just kind of say, all right, we're, we're trying to make this functional here. So we're just going to do box lunches for everybody rather than that. Although before Super Bowl 48, they had a cake mm. with a Super Bowl logo on it. That was pretty good. Interesting. Boy, a big cake to serve 1500 people. I'm pretty sure that when that, the, that all I had left was the frosting save the best for last sitting on my plate when Manny Ramirez's snap sailed oh, past no. Peyton Manning and in, into the end zone. <laughs> and it was all down for downhill from there, except maybe the frosting gave you a little joy. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I hope this podcast brought you a little joy before we wrap up. Got to tell you about our friends at MSU Denver online guys. MSU Denver puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates take their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And we have some people at DNVR that have taken classes at MSU Denver and have just said how great they are at bringing real life tools into the classroom so that you know what you need to do once you graduate or once you finish that class. So make sure to check them out, MSU Denver online. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you all so much for rolling with us today. We'll be back with a special edition live on YouTube tomorrow around 10 a.m. So please tune into that. We're dropping something very, very cool. So make sure to tune in with us on YouTube tomorrow at 10 a.m. But for Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. That'll wrap it up. Have a terrific Thursday.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 